Today, I want you to turn in your Bible to the book of Acts. And the second chapter is where I invite your immediate attention. But I want, before I read the scripture, to tell you just a a quick analogy of what you're reading. Because what I'm going to read to you from Acts chapter 2, I could go back to the Old Testament, to Joel chapter 2, one of the minor prophets. And that would take us back from the point of the writing of Acts back to when Joel wrote the words, 800 years. And 800 years have passed. And now we come to this very special time. We've talked about the day of Pentecost, which was a day when the Jewish people would remember how good God had blessed them and gave them their crops and so forth and that they were gathered and God chose that occasion So we talked about last week to send his Holy Spirit to come and to just fill the place. And God's power came and God's Spirit came that is still ours today. And we're on a search to find out how do we tap into that. But back in the days of Joel, when the people had gone through so very, very, very much, And people could not understand. God spoke to the prophet and the prophet spoke to the people. And you'll find those words in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32. But I want to take us over to the book of Acts because in our series that we're doing now and talking about what it meant for the Lord to come to the earth and die and and, uh, be crucified and then buried, then risen, and then move about for 40 days, and then go back into heaven. We've tried to walk the path surrounding the time of Easter. But in the midst of this, there still needs to be a reminder that what is happening in Acts is a fulfillment of what was prophesied hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and even thousands of years before. And this is an example of that. It was in Joel chapter 2 where Joel wrote his words that now Luke uses in Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to read these verses to you from the 17th through the 21st verse. But keep the scripture available. They will go up on the screen for those of you here in the auditorium. Listen to the 17th verse of Acts chapter 2. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit. And they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke, The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and notable day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, if you went to the original languages of the Hebrew and the Greek, there's two or three words that would be different in the English translation that doesn't change the meaning at all. But the point of calling your attention to this is that what Luke wrote and what I preach today is nothing new. It goes way, way back 
to when God began to speak to man based on the fact that man was under great persecution. Many things were going on he could not understand. There was all kinds of conflict here and there that the people just could not understand and they were scared. Many of them were frightened beyond anything that you can imagine. But on that day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came in great power, it was a wonderful opportunity for Luke to take people all the way back and help them identify with the prophecies of the Old Testament that were now being fulfilled in the New Testament and others that would be fulfilled in the years to come. Now, his disciples, the women, you remember Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, they had prayed. They had asked for this power to come. And now the days are at hand. And when God took over, you'll remember the people started communicating. He came and people heard in their language. So all those that were believers began to communicate in the Spirit of God in a way that they could understand what was happening from God's vantage point as compared to what the news was reporting was happening to those of the world. And so in that context, in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, we read these words. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? The text, I mean, the, the topic of the message today or the title of the message are those words, what shall we do? Those of us that are here today, those of us that are living in the right now, as the question was asked in Acts of those people, now what are you going to do? The question is now asked of us, what are we going to do? The clock keeps ticking. The Lord keeps prolonging his second return. The world begins to operate in the basis of all the things that these passages of the scriptures say would take place. And the longer the, the, the time goes and the more the clock ticks, the more difficult it is for people to really understand that later does not mean never. The Lord will come in again, as he said he'd come the first time in the time the Father wanted him to come, he will come the second time in the way the Father wants him to come. But that's not our problem. That's not our, our situation we have to worry about. Leave that up to God. Our question from God is, what are you going to do? Knowing these things, knowing the Bible, knowing what the world does not need, because people even that go to church, they'd rather say, I don't understand the Bible. They don't even read the Bible. They don't know what they don't understand. But they use that. I don't understand the Bible. I don't understand. You can understand the Bible when the Holy Spirit interprets it to you. And if you're a believer, he will help you to understand that. But that is it will. Christians get discouraged because they, they do. The only thing they know is what they see or read in today's world. Now, any of you that are anywhere close to that knows that every one of those stories have some fallacy in them. 
What we hear on, I don't know how many gallons of oil has been, been spilled in California. It started out at about 80. Now it's up to about 130,000. It was at 160,000. Now it's back to about 100. I don't know how many oils, uh, gallons were spilled on the California coast. And somebody said, I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, just don't go to the beach there today, all right, uh, in your private jet or whatever. But here's the point. Here's the point. Those that know the word know what's happening. Those that don't know the word don't know what's happening. Now, the Lord has said, I will teach you the word. Our, the Holy Spirit wrote the word. He will interpret the word. Now, back in Acts, it's the same thing. The Lord is wanting his kids to understand and his children, I'm still in control. I, I know what's going to happen, but I want to know what are you going to do about it? What shall you do? Are you just going to sit back and say, oh, I just feel so sorry for those people. I just wish this. Are you going to get involved in using your salvation, your spiritual gift, and use it for the glory of God and get involved in telling the world about the power and the presence of God in this life, in this world, in the right now? That's the question that I ask. What shall we do? Now, the Bible's real clear in giving you a couple of things real quick. In Acts 2, 38, he says, repent and be baptized. Three words, repent and be baptized. That's the first thing you do. The word repent means to turn around, doing about face. You're walking one way, you change. You turn the other direction. It's a military term. All of those that stood a while ago know what the word repent means. It means about face. They know what the about face means. Turn around. Go another, that's the first thing you do. Well, how do you, now put that where I can understand it. That means you quit living like the world and you start following God and living as God wants you to live. That's what that means. Then it says, be baptized. No, I don't want to be baptized. And especially by immersion. You see those people a while ago, they got their hair, I'm not about to get in there, you know. Now, wait a minute. There's not a single one of these soldiers that stood up a while ago that isn't proud to wear the uniform of whatever branch of service that they served in. That means something to them. It stands for something. They're not ashamed of being in the military and in whatever branch that they were in. The, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God and the salvation. It's for the Jew, it's for the Gentile, and I'm not ashamed of it. And so the scripture says, repent and be baptized. When you, if you repented, you'd want to be baptized. If you don't repent and you just join something, you don't want to be baptized. Because when you repent and start following the Lord, if God says it, that settles it. If those are you in the military, you go up to your commanding officer and he told you to do something, say, officer, I'd like to talk to you about that. You know, I appreciate you telling me to charge, but right now I've had a cough. I ran a high fever last night. I got a letter from my mother at home. She said, son, stay in bed for three days. I don't think so. I think when the commander said charge, you said which direction? Because I am a soldier and I will do what my commander says. Well, what are we going to do? The Lord says, first of all, repent and be baptized. But now look at verse 41. It says they continued uh, steadfastly in uh, some things. First of all, they were steadfast in the apostles' doctrine or in the word. They learned the word. They obeyed the word. They kept on obeying the word. And if the world went here, they stayed with the word. Now, one of the things you need to learn real early, and I need to share with you, because God let me learn it when I was a child, 
but I have learned more and more about it as I've gotten older. And that is whenever God says something, it is non-debatable, it is non-arguable, and you receive it knowing that God's ways are higher than man's ways, they're better than man's ways, and he promises to make sure that it happens if we simply do what he wants us to do. So when you receive the word of God, you can't receive it if you don't look at it, if you don't read it, if you don't, in the power of the Holy Spirit, try to understand what does God have to say to a child, to a teenager, to a young adult, a married adult, a single adult, to a person living anywhere in the world. What do you do about it? Then it said they got involved in studying the word, fellowshipping with believers. You notice that? They were, they were steadfast, not only in their doctrine. They learned what the Bible teaches. They had steadfast doctrine. Then they were steadfast in fellowship. That, was, that means that they, they served together. You know, uh, the Greek word for fellowship means two fellows in the same ship, okay? <laughs> not really, but it, we're in the same boat. You know what I mean? If one of us hurt, we all hurt. If one rejoices, we all rejoice. Now, you want to make sure you're in the right boat, though. Because if you get in the world's boat, you're going to fellowship with the world. You get in God's boat, you're going to fellowship with God. So you have to decide who choose you this day, who you're going to serve, whose boat you're going to get in, which fellowship you're going to get in. That's what makes the difference. So what do you have to do? You got to come out among and be selfish and be separate. Can I tell you how you can know that you're not walking with God if all the people you know are going that way and you join them? You can almost rest assured of anything you can name if the most of people are going that way, you want to go this way. You want to find out what's the biggest thing, the best thing, and what's everybody doing, and where are they going, and what are they drinking, and what are they eating, and what are they doing, and what are they watching, and what are they... Uh-uh. No, no. Just the fact the majority. The Bible says narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and few there are as find it. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many go therein. You don't do that. You don't do what everybody else is doing. You do what God tells you to do. And then it says they were in worship, in communion, breaking of bread, the break, the broken body, the shed blood. But now, and I've rushed to this, the most important thing they were steadfast in was prayer, was prayer. We're in a time right now throughout all of our church, from staff to deacons to Bible studies to women's groups to men's groups to individuals to families to young to old, Sagemont 5, 9.30 service, 11 o'clock, 11.15 service, whatever. We are concentrating on prayer, 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 prayer. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, then the good stuff starts happening. But if we don't pray, there is no power. The power comes only by prayer. So the scripture says, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus spent a lot of time teaching his, his uh, disciples to pray. And so in trying to do this, the last thing mentioned here is the most important thing, and that is we learn how to pray without ceasing. How can that possibly be? If you feel like you have to close your eyes and pray, as I said last week, uh, don't go down and make your prayer time when you're out on the freeway. That's not good. If, if you would just stop and say, look, God, I want you to speak to me. And I got to be careful about what, when I just said that. So I'm going to tell you something. If somebody tells me, God impressed me, I, I like to listen and see how God impressed them. 
If God tells me, I mean, somebody tells me, God told me to tell you, I run. This is where God has said to me and to you. If I tell you something that's not in this book, you better run. Okay? But if God says it, the debate's over. Because this is the word of God. This is the inerrant scripture. And so what we have to do is, how does God speak to us? Right here. And this is what we're going to be, you're going to see in a lot of this. Anything you want to name, it's in here with a word from God as to what he wants you to know about your loneliness, your depression, your anxiety attacks, your financial problems, your marital problems. I don't care what it is. It's all right there. God has something to say to you. And so what you do is just start the subject. Lord, you know, I've been lonely, then hush. And we're going to put some things in your hands where you can just go to whatever subject you want and it'll be right here. Just go read the word, read the word, read the word. Because you know what? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He doesn't make it relevant to this generation. It's the same to Adam and Eve. And it's the same to John on the Isle of Patmos. It's the same to me, and it's the same to you. You see, Jesus had won the battle against the powers of darkness. Sinners could be set free now. Jesus died, buried, rose from the grave. Salvation is over with. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. He, it is finished, he said. Let's move to something else. All right, let's move and get people ready for the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he began to give us directions on how to do that. He's won the battle against the powers of darkness. Sinners now can be set free and there can be victory over hell and death and sin and the grave. Do you understand, and I ask this of myself, when I ask you rhetorical questions, I ask them of myself, do we realize and understand how much power is available to God's kids according to God's word? You ever thought about that? Think about all the power that he had, and he said, I'm going to give you even greater power. After I go back, it's going to even get better, and I'm going to trust it to my kids. Wow. I don't know if you, well, yeah, I do. I know you do too, because I do. Watch these TV commercials. They just amaze me. Uh, I, I, I watch them, you know, they always start with something for 10 bucks and they're going to double your offer, double your offer. And, uh, you know, if, if you 10 million, the first hundred of you call, we're going to double your offer, offer. And all you got to pay is packing and shipping. That's all you got to pay. And everybody's rushing to the phone. Hey, I'm one of them. I get two. I'm going to get one from my brother-in-law. I'm going to buy me anything for Christmas, you know. And I get the only thing is packing and shipping. Man, that is a deal. I'm going to be in the top 100. If you go for that, let me share one with you. The God of all power has three gifts to offer. One's the Father, one's the Son, and one's the Holy Spirit. I would want you to know there's free shipping with this offer. You don't have to pay one dime for it. It's already been given to you. The Father came, created the world, sent his son. He died on the cross, and the Holy Spirit is here. No charges, okay? And the packing is free. And you know what? It's guaranteed for all eternity. Uh-oh, watch out. And you can't return it. You can't return it. You just enjoy it for the rest of your life. Well... What an awesome God we serve. In every way, Jesus is an example to us. In every way, the Father and the Holy Spirit. But he gave us prayer. 
He said, now, this is the way it works. Don't send me a text. Don't call me on the phone. Don't holler at me across the street. I want you to pray, and I want you to listen. I want you to have the answer close to you, and I will direct you into all truth. That's called Bible study. And if you remember Jesus, when he prayed, he always found time to pray, and he would, the more serious he got about praying, the less the crowd. Matter of fact, he would, he would you remember before the cross, he left his disciples, and he said, I'm going to go on a little bit further by myself. Why did he do that? Because he needed a time for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to get together, and he didn't need anybody's counsel, didn't need anybody's instructions. What he needed was simply a word from the Father. Not my will, but thine be done. Well, the Lord, <clears throat> he prayed. He also studied the Scripture. He knew the Scripture. He knew what the Father had said in the Old Testament. And, and then Jesus began to set an example. Once you, when you get time to look in your Bible and see if this is not true, Jesus began his ministry, his earthly ministry, praying. You remember the day of the baptism, third chapter of Luke, same person wrote Acts, third chapter of Luke, verse 21. Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying. He was being baptized and he was praying and the scripture says the heaven was opened. Now, that's the beginning of his ministry, praying. At the end of his ministry, 23rd chapter of Luke, 34th verse. Here's what it says. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Praying. Jesus and the Father, one. And then the Holy Spirit, like an egg, the yellow, the yolk, the white, the shell, the whole egg, Three and one. One egg, three parts. When God's children cry out to their Father in heaven, the demons of hell shake. Satan himself is perturbed. The threats you make to God, the boycotts you make of God. I run into people all the time. They're boycotting the church. They're boycotting the scripture. They're boycotting prayer. I was with one just this past week. He told me how, how he could not understand why that God would allow his son to suffer, his earthly son. This man was telling me, I don't understand that, you know, and my business is not doing good and all this kind of thing. And I got to share with him. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. You, you, you can't say, God, you don't know how I feel. God said, I know exactly how you feel. Because I sent my son when I didn't have to, to die on a cross and to be crucified, and all that he went through, sped on, cursed, and on and on. I know what it's like to give your only son. But he got a word from the Father, and he obeyed the Father, and the rest is history. None of us today that claim to be God's people need to be ignorant of what it means to be God's people and what our responsibilities are. In 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray 
seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. Did you hear what he said? We've done it a thousand times, haven't we? He'll heal our land. Does our land need healing? You bet it needs healing. What is it going to take to heal it? It's right there. It's in the church. It's in the people of God. They go to the word of God in prayer, hear from God, and then obey God. Why, why call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? Don't be a, just a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word and not hearers only. That's what the book says. And so we hear what God says do, and then we move from there to where we need to go. William Walford may not be a popular name. Many of you may have never heard of him. Maybe you've never even heard of what he wrote. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer. It's a great old hymn of the past that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my father's throne Make all my wants and wishes known. In seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief and oft escaped the tempter's snare at thy return, sweet hour of prayer. Those special moments of just praying and asking God to take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee can be some of the most glorious, glorious times that you'll ever spend. There are two things that are very obvious in Scripture. It says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. A righteous man. We have to be right with God. We need to humble ourselves, confess our sins, repent of them. And he says, I'll remember them more, uh, no more. First John 1, 9 said, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But let me tell you two things. Number one, God's children have got to live a disciplined life. God's children have to live a consecrated life. God's children have to be different from the majority. They have to be. There's no other way of getting around that. You have to be different from the way a world that's turned its back on God lives day by day. The Bible compares our physical body as related to our spiritual body. And the two bodies, physical and spiritual, have to be in one accord. That is so simple to Paul that when he, when he writes the church at Corinth, it's kind of interesting how he starts 1 Corinthians six nineteen. He says, what? <laughs> Question mark. What? You don't know that your body is the temple of God, of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. He said, people at Corinth, you don't understand that? Do you not understand when you have repented of your sins, invited Jesus or Christ to come into your life, your body no longer belongs to you. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Whenever we think of how we abuse that, how we just think, no, it's my body. I do it whatever I really uh, want to. Whatever I want to, whatever pleases me, whatever makes me happy, whatever everybody's doing, that's what I'm going to do to my body. The scripture hits us right between the eyes and says, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Take care of it. And your physical body and your spiritual body need to walk side by side. When you're sick, sick, Physically, you can get sick spiritually. When you get sick spiritually, you can get sick physically. And the two need to walk together. But what we have to do is we have to take the two and put them together and, and, and look at that scripture and say, 
I'm sorry, it's not your body. A young lady in Houston, daughter of a, of a man that grew up in Sagemont, Michael Pender, his daughter Leah wrote a book, No Trespassing, I Belong to God, talking about her body. She's an incredible young lady that came very, very close to really messing up in her life, but that's what saved her, that my body's not my own. It belongs to God. No trespassing. God's property. That's what your body is. That's what your, your lungs and your stomach and all doesn't want all that smoke down in there, you know, down there coughs. I got to live down here, you know? Watch what you pour down your throat. Watch what you shoot in your veins. Watch what you do to my body. That's my body. Give it to the Lord and let God direct it. God cares about our body because the Holy Spirit lives in our body. And then we move on from there. The second key factor is a separated life. James 4, 4 says, Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. That's what James said. 1 John 2, 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This world is not our home. We're just passing through, as the songwriter wrote it. Heaven is our home, and our bodies will live forever with the Lord. When God's children choose the world over him, our hearts are divided, our minds are divided, our wills are rebellious, and it keeps on going. But the most important truth is this one thing. You cannot know God's will until you know God. He is the way, and he will lead you he will lead me. That's the only way we'll ever get where we need to go. We cannot do it on our own. We have to simply follow him. And to know God, we must be in union with God. And that's where the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus come into play. Well, before we go, in Philippians 3.10, Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. In Genesis 4.1, Adam and Eve, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, she conceived and she bore Cain. And she said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. I've gotten a little boy from the Lord. There's no getting around, folks, a wonderful fact that God owns us. He is our Lord, He is our protector, He's our provider. God's power flows out of all of his kids that are in right union with him. It's like parents to a child. There's no question that one of the biggest problems we have today in our country and there are other countries in the world too. Dad's gone. Parents have gone. The children are by themselves. But our father's never going to leave us. He's never going to walk out on us. He is here. You can touch him this morning before you go out of here. You can go out of here knowing that he will walk with you wherever you be. We can be a part of the problem or we can be a part of solution. Listen to these scriptures, Isaiah 30, 21, Old Testament. And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. That was Isaiah getting a word. 
God's going to walk with you, Isaiah, he's going to tell you where to watch. Yogi Berra said, when you get a fork in the road, take it. That's what the old ball player said. God said, when you get the fork in the road, follow me. Follow me. I will help you pick the right person, the right place, the right time. Psalm 37, 4. Listen to this. Delight yourself also in the Lord. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and then he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And then the last one, John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They'll never perish, and neither shall any person pluck them out of my hand. Woo! Makes you want to shout, even if your back slid a little bit. <laughs> that God has a plan for your life and for mine. I don't know, but some days I get up and I'm as mixed up as a termite and a yo-yo, if you can know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but if I can just get by myself for just a few minutes, open his word, and I don't mean do this, but just simply say, Lord, speak to me. I can recall scripture after scripture after scripture that's just what I needed for that morning. It's better than ham and eggs. It's better than waffles cooked your way to just have a breakfast with the Lord. It's better than breakfast at Tiffany's. It's better to have a breakfast with the Lord. In John 7, 17, if any man will do God's will, he shall know the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Any of the good, God says, if I know you're going to follow me, I'm going to lead you. If, you, know that you if, if I know that you're going to obey me, I'm going to tell you what to do. If you're going to let me pick the one that you want to spend the rest of your life with, I'll pick them. But if you just want to put your name in the hopper and get on television and hope you find somebody on the Internet, watch out. Watch out. But God says, look, I've got it planned. When I made you, I made someone for you if I want you to get married. But it's going to be my way. And ladies and gentlemen, if God speaks on the subject to my fellow believers, this will anger those of you that are not believers. But if God's word, what he says about the sanctity of life, what he says about a marriage has never changed, it never will change in the eyes of God. If you don't know what it is, I'll be glad to spend some time with you and show you thus saith the Lord. God's ways are higher than man's ways. He's never waiting for a majority vote. He's never going to allow his children, if they'll follow him, to get involved with the majority that are following the world. And whatever the world does, they're going to do it, but they're going to sure keep their membership at some church. So when they die, they believe that God's going to check the roll, and if your name is at the What's Happening Now church, then you're going to come in. No, you must be born again. Amen? Is that not God's word? Yes. And may the Lord bless his word, which he promises to do. His, he says, I'm not changing. He says to us, you need to change. And then when you change, you won't have to change anymore. Just follow me and you won't have to make right decisions. I'll make them for you. All you've got to do is just follow me.